listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Bachelor in Paradise and interviewing some of your favorite celebrities and reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. Welcome, everybody, to podcast number 90 host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a good one for you today. This one has been very much anticipated since I tweeted about it a couple days ago. We're going to get to Sean Lowe in just a minute. A couple things to get to first. This podcast brought to you by Pier 1. Four walls and an address don't make a home. You do. Pier 1 wants you to fill your home with the items that say, this is me. With Pier 1 picks, everyday favorites like pillows are available at 50% off in addition to other great values. You know, ladies, I know you love the little home decor thing. And earlier this week in my column, I talked about the fact that JoJo and Jordan are doing a design and home decor show for some internet streaming network, Kins Network, whatever the case may be. And I know you guys like that kind of stuff. Pier 1 is the place for you. I know you're very familiar with Pier 1. So check it out. Like I said, pillows, stuff like that, all available for 50% off. So check it out. Visit PeerOne.com, P-I-E-R-1, the number one, dot com. Now for exclusive offers or visit your local Peer One for exclusive savings. As I said, got Sean Lowe coming up in just a couple minutes. Some housekeeping work to take care of. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. We had a very good podcast last week with Samantha that made the top 10. We've had numerous ones recently that made the top 10. The Holly one was one of the more downloaded podcasts I've had in the last couple months. And I'm sure Sean's today uh, might top that one. So please, anything you can do to help the podcast. Obviously, this is a free podcast. I don't charge you for it. So the way you can repay me is to rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Also, Nell Coulter's Floribama Shore recaps are every Tuesday on the site. And starting next week, Are You the One? Season 7 airs and premieres on Wednesday the 15th. So her recaps will be up every Thursday. She's going to have two recaps a week up on the site. Check those out if you get a chance. And if you were on the site on Tuesday... You know that episode three of the He Said, She Said podcast with myself and Ashley Spivey is up, and it's a good one, and if you want to be a part of a future podcast with myself and Ashley, if you have a relationship or marriage or dating question, sex question, whatever it may be, all you have to do is have Skype, let us know what time zone you're in, email myself, email Ashley, whatever the case may be, and tell me what time zone you're in. And we'll arrange a time to record a call and let us know your your issue, your situation. And pretty much everybody that's emailed me has has gotten on. So, um, you know, there is a mini screening process. We don't, I mean, it's recorded. So even if you came on and said Baba Booey, uh, <laughs> just wouldn't play it. Um, this isn't live radio here. So I think... Anybody that wants to come on, for the most part, you have something decent you want to talk about, by all means, we'll put you on. Just let us know what time's under in, because I'm in Central, Ashley's in Eastern, 
matching up the schedule sometimes gets a little difficult. But if you want to be a part of a future episode, the next one I believe will be coming out on August 21st, I think. Yeah, August 21st on Tuesday, so in two weeks. Well, 12 days. So, yeah, if you want to be a part of it, just let us know. But with that said, let's get to our guest. Um, You can't beat that. Uh, Sean Lowe. And I know a lot of you know who Sean Lowe is. This is a two-hour interview, and we talk about a lot of things. Because not only was Sean on The Bachelorette and then The Bachelor, he almost has just an interesting post-Bachelor life than he did in his two seasons on the show. And, you know, you'll hear me say it during the interview. This isn't going to be like the other ones. I wrote this yesterday. It's just tough because I can't sit there and go, all right, let's go through every date that you went on on Emily's season, and then let's go through every date on your season. Like, that alone would take two hours in in and of itself. So it's just, I'm going to hit on the major points of each season. We're going to talk about his post-show career, all the major points that I could think of. Am I going to get to everything? No. We do have two hours, though, and it's a lot. But will I for, will I have forgotten some stuff that I'm sure you'll remind me about after the fact? I, I'm guessing you will. But I I thought I covered about as much as I could in the in the time frame, and didn't want to keep him from his sons anymore. So, without any further ado, let's get to it. All right, let's welcome our guest. This man needs no introduction, really. He was Bachelor number seventeen. It is Sean Lowe. Sean, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I I feel like I am in enemy territory as far as the Bachelor franchise <laughs> is concerned, but it's it's good to be here. Yeah, this is a this is a long time coming, and I'm glad to finally get you on. And you know, in getting ready for this, I realized if I did this interview like I do all my other interviews with fat, uh, with former Bachelor and Bachelorette contestants, where we basically just recap their time on the show, I could literally talk to you for probably four hours. And I know I know a lot of people listening have a ton of questions that, that you've sent me about, Sean, and I'm, I'm going to do my best to get to a lot of them because usually a contestant has been on, you know, one or two shows. And, yeah, you were on Bachelorette and, um, you know, you were The Bachelor, but there were so many other things that you did, especially post-show, which is the stuff I'm actually really interested in. So let's, first off, before we even get into any of that, I want to I wanna talk about, what you're doing now and this business venture that you got involved with uh, right now, it's called vouch. It's a new dating app that just hit the market this week. Tell the listeners first off how you even got interested in something like this and where it kind of all began. Yeah, pretty simple. Actually, I've got two of my very best guy friends. They were both groomsmen in our wedding. Uh, They kind of came up with this idea. They're both single guys in their thirties and they They've tried the dating app scene. Nothing really seemed to work, whether they were getting paired with people that just were terrible matches or, uh, you know, some of these apps are all about just hooking up and not really about cultivating a healthy relationship. So they thought, you know, what if we got our our friends involved, even our married friends like me, uh, to help us find good matches? So that it. Uh, their name is Austin and Kevin, and, and and these guys came up with this idea about two years ago, and it was just an idea, and they came to me, and they thought, you know, what if we got you involved? You could help uh, market it, and then, um, you know, you can help us kind of uh, design this, because as single guys, we don't always know what's best for us, and so it it just kind of spawned into this really cool thing that that now we're very proud of, where uh, you can get your friends involved in dating, so you can swipe through 
uh, all the different profiles. And if you find a girl that you think, oh, okay, she looks interesting and, and there might be a potential match here, it kicks it to your friends or, or as we call them, vouchers. And then your vouchers, you have to have at least one of your vouchers say, okay, I, I think she is a good match for Austin. So I'm going to go ahead and swipe right. And then that allows those two people to, uh, to begin talking through the, the app. But I think it's a cool idea. It shows a lot of transparency. Uh, if a girl is checking out my buddy Austin, um, you know, there's, there's so many fake profiles out there in the, in the dating app world. Uh, but she can look at my profiles and I've got a little blurb on, Hey, I've known Austin for eight years. He's a great guy. Uh, I really want him to find a good girl and, and so on and so forth. So, uh, that was kind of our mission. We wanted something a little more wholesome, a little more transparent and something that's going to create good quality matches. And I, I think we've achieved that. So I'm proud to be a part of it. So can, so basically what you're saying is if I were to be on it and I swiped or chose a girl or was interested in a girl that I saw their profile, I would not be able to make any personal one-on-one -on -one contact with her until a friend exactly. approved? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. It, it would kick a little push notification to your vouchers. Uh, you would, you would have uh, up to five friends, your vouchers. Uh, and just one of those friends needs to say, okay, I, I think that this is a pretty good match for Steve. So I'm gonna go ahead and swipe on her and that way they can, they can start a discussion. Gotcha. Okay. So this is way different than the dating apps that we have seen out there. I mean, I'm not on them. I just hear about them and I, yeah, there's nothing really like this out there. Is there? No, no, not, not to my knowledge. It's a new twist on dating apps. And, and from my perspective too, uh, Catherine and I have been together for over five years now. This whole dating app scene came about right about the time we started on The Bachelor. So yeah. I never got to experience any of this. That's, uh, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But it is kind of fun for me to take part in my single buddies uh, looking for a relationship or a good girl to go on a date with. So it, it's fun to play around with as a married person, too. I noticed that one of the things when I was looking on the press kit for this is that this is something that has been in the works I, mean, I don't know how people I don't know if people know how apps work and stuff like that, but this is something that's been tested for a good what nine to nine months to a year now. I mean, what's the early feedback you've gotten on on this so far? Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit longer than that. I mean, okay. building and building an app is is hard, and and we've hired a lot of great developers, but I mean, we have it's been trial and error for a long time, and and most of the feedback that we've received is wow, this is a great idea, but you just need to maybe clean this up a little bit or, or you know, make this instead of uh, three vouchers, how about five vouchers? So we've just been tinkering with it because we wanted to make it perfect before we rolled out this big launch. Uh, and I think we've, we've just about got it there now. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of trial and error and it's been a lot of, you know, okay, we gotta, we gotta pay developers cause developers aren't cheap and it takes a lot of time to make little changes here and there. But, uh, I, I think we've got it and we're, we're proud of the app and we've gotten great feedback. People are having fun, uh, and people are out there finding quality matches already. So we're, we're pretty stoked about it. And is it a free app or do you pay for this one? No, it, it, it's a free app. Okay. Uh, so you can find it in the iTunes store and, and, and the app store and download it for free. And it is vouch V O U C H, uh, for those that are interested now, it, when this first came up, was it something that you had to run by Catherine? I know she was in the video for it. Uh, the, pr the promotional video that you guys did, which was very funny. So I'm assuming she was supportive of it, but in the beginning, was there any hesitation on either your part or hers? Uh, there was a little bit of hesitation in the beginning, uh, going back to, you know, what if we changed, 
the idea was, well, your married friends can swipe through the women for you. But, you know, Catherine doesn't want me swiping through a bunch of single girls. Uh, (laughs) You know, not not to say that I would do anything inappropriate, but just I don't think any wife wants their husband swiping through single girls. And so that was one of the changes we made. It'll be okay, your your single friends will do the swiping, but when they find someone they like, then that particular girl will be kicked to us uh, via a push notification. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, and I and I know it just launched, but what are the goals in terms of, of, of users to have by a certain date? Like, I don't even know. I have no idea what the numbers would be for something like this. Do you guys have, like, okay, six months in, we want X amount of users. By year one, we would like to have X amount. I mean, is there numbers you guys have set up for this? Well, I don't. I don't think we have hard set numbers. Uh, I think what we want to do is attack the the bigger markets. So we started here in Dallas locally and did a lot of our testing here, and we got ten thousand users in Dallas. Got a lot of great feedback from them. So now, you know, the LA's and Chicago's and New York's and things like that. We want to hit those big markets that are uh, really dense with with single people looking to use dating apps. Um, and then it's it's about. It's not so much the user, but the active user. So you can get a bunch of downloads, but that doesn't mean much. We yeah. we needed to create an app that people get on constantly. And then you can see all the metrics through some some uh, software that we have. But uh, you want people to be engaged. And that's when the app is a viable product. And so uh, that's what we've been working on this whole time. How do we make it fun? And I think with this push notification system where – uh, your friends are getting notified every time you find a potential match. That's that's fun. I like getting push notifications when my buddy Austin thinks he's he's found a good match for himself. It's, it's fun for me to to play a small part in his dating life. Well, I can tell you, um, I have not done the dating apps, but I was talking to a female friend of mine about this, and she was so excited because she said, you have to let me be one of your people on this and i'm like okay i mean that's that's kind of the genesis of the app because uh you know a lot of people who are on tinder or some of these other dating apps they'll they'll let their friends who may be married or in a relationship kind of look through it and play along with them uh so we just thought you know why not just incorporate that because since the big since the beginning of time people have had their friends involved in dating one way or the other where they're whether you're going to a bar with your friends or you've got a friend who says, hey, I think you should meet so-and-so, uh, you know, people have always had their friends involved. And so we wanted to make the dating app scene a lot less isolating and lonely. Well, it's a great idea. I mean, it's a great idea that you guys have come up with. I, it just launched this week, so go into your iTunes app, um, your iTunes store, download the app if you're interested, and, you know, good luck with this because this is something that, I, like you said, is new to – We've all heard about the dating apps. We've all heard about the dating websites, but this is something new to the genre. And um, I'm curious to see how it goes for you guys. So definitely yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate it. And I know it's a it's an easy transition to go from dating apps into your bachelor career. And um, and it's funny because, like you mentioned, when you were starting on this in 2012, it was kind of the beginning of dating apps there were websites out there there was the match and the e-harmonies and stuff but dating apps weren't really a thing and like i mentioned at the beginning of the podcast i, I you know when i have people on we literally go through their season like whoever the contestant may be and i've had um you know girls from your season uh on the podcast and um 
we literally just go through the season. Okay, first night, uh, how, you know, how'd you get started? First night, how'd you get there? I don't want to do that necessarily with you. I just want to talk about more major points that happened in each of your seasons. Because like I said, we could go on forever if we went through each. Hey, what about your group date on Emily's season when you guys did this? <laughs> it's like, all right, it was five years ago. It's like really not, not that important um, anymore. But um, let's go back to Emily's season since that was the first thing you were on. I know that you've talked about this before. You said your sister Shay nominated you for this. So what was the... What was the ultimate reason you decided that you eventually wanted to go do this? Yeah, it was pretty simple, actually. I was I can remember vividly. I was out walking my dogs. I got a phone call from a Los Angeles area code. I didn't know anyone from L.A., so I was curious, you know, who is this? And it was a casting director, really nice girl. And she said, hey, you know, you've been submitted to be a part on The Bachelorette. Uh, it didn't take me very long to figure out my sister was behind it. She was an avid watcher of the show. Uh, I politely told this girl, you know, no, thank you. Because I had these negative connotations of the type of guy that would do a cheesy reality show. It's just, it's not me, you know? And I, I didn't necessarily want to be in a whole group of guys that probably I wouldn't gel with. Um, and at the time I was selling insurance, uh, which is kind of the the family profession in my family. And I hated it. It was, it was such a, a struggle every day to, you know, put on the khakis and button up shirt and sell insurance. And so before I got off this phone call, she, she made the comment. She said, well, just think about it. At the very least, it could be a free vacation. And those words really stuck with me. I went to work the next day selling insurance and I thought, you know what? A free vacation sounds pretty nice. And so I, I called her back and I said, all right, what do I need to do? And so I, I went forward with the, uh, the whole audition process where you submit a video and then they took me out to LA and I had to, you know, do an on camera interview and all that stuff. And, and I got on the show. Now, had you watched Emily's season or once you realized and got into the process of the application process, you were like, okay, maybe I should tune into this. Or, no, I, mean, I, hadn't, uh, I, I hadn't really season. watched it. I, I was familiar with the show. I, I, I I hadn't really sat down and watched full episodes, but I think most people are, are familiar with what the show's all about. And I knew at the time that she had a, a good reputation for being wholesome and things like that. So uh, when I went to L.A. and did that on-camera interview for the audition process, that's when they told me that she would be the bachelorette. And so, uh, you know, given her reputation, I thought, all right, this this might be a a good season for me to be a part of. Would you have signed on that season if it was anyone other than Emily? Um, you know, it's so hard for me to remember the, the pool of women that maybe they were choosing from at the time. Uh, but probably not, you know, my, my faith plays a big part in my life. And I wanted to make sure that that was in alignment with whoever that, that bachelorette was. And and that was, uh, the, the, what I was hearing was that, yeah, our faiths did align. So that was, that was definitely a major part for me, a major selling point. What was your, uh, if you had any strategy going into this, I mean, when you said, okay, I'm going to do it. And then you were cast and you know, they inform you, Hey, this season's going to be a little bit different. We're going to go out to Charlotte and film the first three or four episodes. Was there anything that popped in your mind? and be like, okay, this is how I want to handle this. Or you're just like, look, I'm going to go there and just see what happens. Uh, I wouldn't say I necessarily had a strategy, but 
I was very conscious of the fact that my family would be watching this and I didn't want to do anything to embarrass my family. And, and not to say that I would otherwise, but you know, the show is filled with so much drama and, and these, this was part of the, the kind of the negative connotations that I had built in my head. It's all about, you know, guys getting mad at each other and backstabbing each other and this and that. That's not me. That's just not how I am in my everyday life. So I knew I just wanted to to be myself, stay away from the drama, not say anything stupid on TV that would embarrass my family, um, and and just try to be as genuine as possible in that environment, uh, which was totally new to me. I'd never been around TV cameras and producers and all of that, um, and and so I just you know I just wanted to be a nice guy, and if she likes me, she likes me. If not. I had my free vacation. Yeah, exactly. You got away from insurance for a little bit. Exactly. Was there, in looking it over, and I, I want to say, I might be off by one or two, but I think it's now 22 seasons in a row now where the lead is somebody that was from a previous season. They haven't gone with a outsider as the lead, I believe, since Andy Baldwin. I, I could be wrong. But... So we're looking at 20, 21, 22 seasons or something like that. So knowing that, there has to be next Bachelor talk in the house amongst the guys. Did it ever come up with you guys in particular? Did guys ever make comments like, well, maybe she doesn't pick me. I'll be the Bachelor. You know, it's got to come up, right? You know what's funny about that? I think every guy is conscious of that fact. And this was before Instagram took off and, and the opportunity to make a lot of money. But still, you're you're the opportunity to be a lead of a TV show that's watched by millions of people, that was real. I just don't think anyone was ballsy enough to say it out loud. Yeah. Because, you know, in that house, if you if you whisper it to somebody, it's going to get back to the bachelorette and then you're the, you're the villain. And so I'm sure every guy thought about it and thought about, oh, that'd be a really cool opportunity if it worked out that way. But uh, to my knowledge, nobody said that out loud. And even if somebody did, I don't know if they would have been able to take the villain label away from Kalen anyway. Like <laughs> that, That's very true. We had, we had a pretty good villain on my season. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. I'm not even going to go over the dates on Emily's season. I can't even remember, honestly. Um, I want to say, if I had to guess, and, this is, and I swear I don't have the notes for this, I want to say your first one-on-one was overseas in England. Is that right? Or, yeah, good memory, man. Yeah, uh, London. London. Okay, that's right. You had your oh, you had your first one on one in London, and Jeff had his first one on one in London, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep, that's right. Okay, so I don't want to go over the dates. They're whatever at this point. However, let's get down to the final three. Let's just immediately skip to that. When you okay. got down to final three, what was going through your head? Did you think you were winning at that point? <laughs> yeah. Here's. You know, it's it's so funny to, to think back about this because I was so sure of it. Um, and it's kind of you're in bizarro land when you're on The Bachelor. Nothing comes close to simulating real life under these circumstances. You're traveling the world. You're doing these exotic dates. You, you know, it's all about love. Constantly the producers are telling you, oh, wow, you and 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 so and so have this great connection and and. So you start to believe it like, oh, yeah, of course we have a great connection. Of course she's going to choose me. 
meanwhile, the producers are probably feeding the same stuff to the other two guys left. But, yeah. you know, I, I yes, I, I definitely convinced myself, oh, I, I've got it, no problem. And, and on top of that, I thought just the fact that we had that common den- denominator of faith that I don't think was shared with Jeff and Ari <laughs> yeah. just led me to believe even more so that, of course, of course, I'm going to end up, uh, you know, quote unquote, winning this thing. Uh, so yeah, I walked into that final row ceremony without a single doubt in my head. And I've, I've told this before, but I remember, uh, she said Jeff's name first. And in my head, in that moment, I thought, oh man, Ari's going home because <laughs> I had become friends with Ari and, you know, I was kind of bummed for Ari that Ari was going home. Yeah. And then of course she, she says, uh, Ari's name instead of mine. So I was the I was the sucker going home. Well, you mentioned the faith thing. And I mean, that's one of the reasons uh, I think people saw it with you guys. But I think the other thing is in recent seasons, I think we've seen more that the final three to four guys are kind of all the same. They all hell, they even look the same. (laughs) And then when you look at Emily's final three of you, Jeff and Ari, I mean, it's kind of mind blowing because there's nothing about you three that possibly physically there's absolutely nothing three completely different physically looking people um i just think did you ever look at those other two and be like how can we be the final three like we have nothing really that seems to be common unless i'm missing something i i I did think it was an odd final three um i will say this and i know that jeff and ari both have gotten a lot of flack over the years I always found them as, as nice guys. Like I enjoyed being around them and they were fun. And and that may be the common denominator between the three of us. I think we were just kind of fun guys to be around. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in that environment, you, you don't think about post show. Uh, you don't think about the real world and how your lives are going to mesh. I think a lot of times you just, you find someone you have fun with. And so you want to continue having fun because it's, it's easy to have fun in that in that scenario. And, and a lot of times those guys that are fun to be around, make it to the end. And so I, I did think about that, like, wow, that, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot in common amongst the three of us. And that's partly what led me to think that I was going to end up being the last man standing. Yeah. I mean, and obviously things have worked out for both you and Emily post-show. You both are married with kids now, but let's just say Emily would have chosen you. Do you think you guys would still be together? <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. No, I. Okay. Uh, it, it's a it's a tricky question to answer. I, um, I think a lot of times you want the bachelor or bachelorette to be the person that you've kind of envisioned in your own mind, and then you come to find out that maybe they're not how I thought they were, it, good or bad but maybe we don't align as well as I thought we would. And I think uh, I probably would have found that out uh, had Emily chosen me that maybe we're not meant to be together. Um, if, if that makes sense. Well, I'm assuming, I'm assuming part of that is the bachelor bubble that you talk about the fact that you're in there and you only know the person from what they're telling you on camera because you don't get a lot of alone time. You don't know anything about their outside life based on, I mean, other than what they tell you, but you have no idea if what they're telling you is true. It's like you have to experience life not being televised with somebody before oh, you absolutely. can possibly and, make and, a decision here. 
And not only that, the show is making this person to, out to be the greatest person in the world. I mean, you would be so lucky if you ended up with this person. Uh, you know, every season, I think outside of Juan Pablo, they've, they've yeah. built the... They've built the lead out to be just the greatest person in the world, and, and she is the most eligible bachelorette in the country. Um, but we all have flaws. Uh, let me get Catherine on the phone. She could go on for hours about my flaws. Um, and, and, and you're absolutely right. That's just – you're not going to discuss those flaws. You're not going to discuss your differences. I mean I remember being at the, the tail end, and, and I know we'll get to Bachelor, but I was at the tail end of The Bachelor thinking, you know, I don't know – what their politics are. I don't know what some of their views on faith is. And like, there's so much very important things that are just aren't discussed because you're in this romantic fairy tale bubble the whole time. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's something that comes up every season and it's, it's something to where you look at it and you're like, gosh, how do any of these people end up making it? And essentially, it's kind of what I say every season. It's like, look, you're basically just choosing somebody that you want to continue to date. But having a television audience invest in 11 weeks to have someone at the end say, yeah, I want to I choose you to continue dating. There's nothing exciting about that. There's no payoff. And people would eventually just tune out. It's the, the engagement at the end is. A tel the television aspect of it because you really don't know the person. I mean, it, uh, and I I would second that wholeheartedly. I knew, I knew that I had fallen in love with with Catherine, um, and I think you can fall in love in any number of circumstances. It doesn't necessarily always take time to fall in love. You can fall in love fast. The hard part is building a healthy relationship. And that took some time. And, and we went through all types of roadblocks and speed bumps post-Bachelor, figuring out, okay, how do we meld our lives together and create a healthy relationship and um, you know, make this thing work? That's, that's very challenging. If we just lived our entire lives in the Bachelor bubble, we wouldn't have any problems in the world, and it would all be great, and we would you know, be traveling the world right now. But you know, that's not real life. No, I totally understandable. And, you know, that brings us to the Bachelor season. So after the Emily breakup happens, how soon after the breakup did they approach you about being the Bachelor? Was it literally right away in the limo after you had given your final ITM crying in the limo? Or was it, did they say, hey, keep it on the back burner? Or was it something that took a little bit longer? Well, let, let me bring it full circle for you. I'll, I'll bring you into this. Uh at the time, they were so worried about the season being spoiled by you. After I got kicked off and I do the limo ride of shame, they tell me, hey, we can't force you, but we would really, really appreciate it if you could stay in Curacao, which is where we were, yeah, for an extra, I think it was five days or, or a week. And that was the last thing I wanted to do at the time. I just wanted to go home and be done with everything. But I, I had developed a friendship with these producers, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm a nice guy. I'll just – I'll go along with it. And so I, I had to stay in Curacao for an extra five or seven days. And um, I remember one of the producers kind of put it in my ear a few days later as I'm just kind of hanging out at this little condo that they had rented for me. Um, you know, we, we might want to talk to you about being the next Bachelor. And I, I didn't give it a whole lot of thought, but that's that's when they initially planted it in my brain. 
And then it was probably uh, about a month after being home is when they, they called me on the phone saying, hey, we want you to be The Bachelor. It, I, I wonder now, that now that you brought that up, I wonder, was that the first season? I mean, we know that they do that. I'm pretty sure they do that for the final three person in all seasons now. The final three person has to stay until filming is over. I wonder if you were the first one that they did that for. It might have... It might have yeah. been. I mean, what was? I don't. I don't know, but I do know that your name was mentioned a couple <laughs> times, and and they were very paranoid about it, about it being spoiled. And obviously, if I went back to Dallas, people would figure out that I I got the boot. So yeah, I'm um, trying to think. The season before you would have been. Um, uh, let's see. That was Ben Flanick was the bachelor before me. It was Ben. So whoever Ben's final three girl was, which was Nikki. Yeah, I don't remember. She was actually. Uh, Dallas girl as well. Um, yeah, I don't remember if they kept her in Switzerland for, uh, you know, until filming was over. But you might have been the first one now that I think about it. Because that was, like you said, right around the time that Instagram and, you know, Twitter and this idea of noticing people on social media and back from filming um, probably started to become a thing, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So that might have yeah. been, you might have been they, the first they one. Were, to add on to that, they were very adamant when I got home that I stay off Twitter and Instagram, uh, which I, I think I complied with fairly well. But um, I don't I don't think they have those those restrictions these days because I see people all over social media. But, yeah, they didn't want me giving any hints whatsoever as to how that played out. Yeah, I think now it's they don't want you to, but it's almost like you can't make these people not live their lives. And there's such a small, small percentage of the total audience that is literally following all these people's moves from the second I start announcing them as contestants that there's just only so much they can do. I mean, these people are going to spoil their own season, whether they think they're doing it or not, because there are a lot of things that can point to someone being home. And yeah, I mean, just, you don't even have to come home from filming and post something. If you had a private Instagram account and it goes public all of a sudden, well, then we know you're home. You, you know, it's not, it's not hard to figure out. But I think they've yeah. come to realize that they just they can't control everything. And honestly, to them, people that go home in episodes one, two, three, and four, I don't really think they put a lot of stock into. Hey, all right, just just don't do anything totally obvious. Don't post a bunch of pictures with your friends and whatnot just be careful about it but um so we get into bachelor season and i I want to explain to everyone out there once you're named the bachelor when you meet with producers pre-show in regards to your season what kind of things are they asking you what kind of things are you telling them how much of your season are you even aware of before it starts uh i think the initial calls were, um, you know, what type of women are you mainly attracted to? And, and to that, I said, you know, I've, I've dated a, div- a diverse group, so I really don't have a type. Uh, they would ask me questions like, uh, where do you want to go? You know, what type of outdoor activities do you normally uh, like to do? Things like that. And so I, I remember I told them, listen, you guys are the bachelor. You always create these fantastic trips. I'll just leave that part to you. I said, I've, I'm a bit outdoorsy. Uh, so if you want to incorporate some of that, that's great. I think that's probably why we did Montana and, and Canada on my season because yeah. I said that. Um, they would ask, you know, my favorite bands because they always bring the musical acts on. And so 
I, I remember, I think I said, uh, John Mayer, that's, that's a reach for the bachelor. Yeah. But I, I said, John Mayer anyway, uh, Randy Rogers band and Eli young band. And, uh, they they got Eli Young band on my season, which I was I was pretty stoked about. So, hmm. you know that was pretty cool. And then uh, they flew me to L.A. and it was important that I sit down with the people at Warner Horizon, which you know produced the show that, and the head honchos there that that kind of finance everything. And you know you had to get them to sign off. And then uh, I had to have breakfast with one of the higher ups at ABC, make sure he signs off and everybody liked me, I guess. Um, and then I sat down with, uh, the executive producer of the bachelor. And I remember he probably asked me five times, uh, are you sure this isn't going to go to your head? <laughs> and he was so worried about me getting some type of, you know, big head Hollywood complex, whatever you want to call it. And I just tried to reassure him like, listen, man, I'm just a, I'm a normal dude from Dallas. I I'll do my very best, but I don't think this is going to go to my head. I think one thing that came up once it was out there that Catherine was the winner and one thing that's either coincidental or something was in the works. I think in Catherine's profile on ABC, she said like one of her dreams or one thing that she's always wanted to do was ride elephants in Thailand. And then when it actually happened on your season, people were like, whoa, wait a second, like is that just a coincidence that the girl who won ended up getting to do what she put in her initial profile? No. Let me let me tell you how that went down. Yeah. Uh, so when you're the bachelor, you have one producer that is always with you at all times, and they're the ones that ask you the questions. Was, your, was your, yours was yours Cassie at the time? Was she? Yeah, still? my my producer was Cassie. I, I yeah. loved her. She's great. And uh, you know the show filming start to finish took me about eleven weeks and. Yeah. Right about week nine, um, and I definitely built up a rapport with Cassie. I was like, listen, would you please just let me have my iPad? I'm not going to get online. I just want to listen to music. And I, I definitely told a fib because the first <laughs> chance I got, I got online. Because I wanted – I was – it's just like the fear of the unknown. I wanted to see what was being said about these other women on, on the show and whatnot. And I came across Catherine's profile, and yes, she said she wanted to ride elephants in Thailand. I have no idea what sparked her to say that, because she had no clue we were ever going to end up in Thailand. But yeah. there we were in Thailand, and that's when I had my iPad. And and like the next day, Cassie said, all right, we've got two dates left. And this was when it was down to the final two women. Uh, and we don't care which girl you take on which date. And one was riding on elephants, and one was... Uh, taking like a riverboat tour down the down the river. And so after seeing Catherine's profile, I was like, that's easy. We have to make <laughs> this dream come true. And of course, I didn't tell anybody that, that I had seen her profile, but I, I chose Catherine for that date because I kind of wanted to fulfill that dream of hers. And and we had an incredible time, and I'm, I'm so glad we did. And it was shortly after that, I think one of uh, – the executive producers, one of the higher ups, saw me walking around with the iPad, and they made me give it back. So that that was short lived, <laughs> yeah. but at least I got to fulfill Catherine's dream of riding elephants in Thailand. So it was purely coincidental that she had said that, and then you guys happened to be in Thailand. Because some people were saying that, oh, they knew she was the winner from the beginning. That's why they scheduled Thailand in advance. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think it works that way. 
Yeah, purely coincidental. Although I, I could definitely see myself buying into that conspiracy theory if, if I didn't know everything that went into it. It was, you know, what are the odds? Yeah. Well, the other thing is that your season was the last time, and the reason you were able to do that was because your season, right after it started filming, I want to say maybe a week after you guys started filming, ABC released all the headshots and the bios of your girls. They don't do that. They don't even. They haven't done that since. And I don't think they've done it. I don't even think they did that before. They wait until two weeks before the premiere before they officially release the contestants. But for whatever reason, your season, all your girls were out there one week into filming with their bios and their headshots, and that's what you were able to look at. That's why for anyone that has a question like, wait a second, what is Sean talking about? How was he able to see a bio? They weren't out yet. They were still filming. Well, there's Yeah, maybe maybe I ruined it for everyone after me. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's – totally bizarre when that came up now were there any when you spoke with producers beforehand <clears throat> were there any demands where you were like hey i know how this kind of works I, I i get the deal here but absolutely i cannot have you know blank whatever it may be were there some um, things you were stinging on that you, you were very stringent on that you were like look that's a that's a deal breaker for me i'm not doing that There was there was no hard demands, but I did make it clear, you know, don't ask me to do something that's going to compromise my values, uh, because it's still very important for me to to represent myself and my family as as well as I possibly could. Um, And I'll give you an example. You know, the the fantasy suite deal, I I told them, hey, I want to get it on camera that I'm not we're not having sex in the fantasy suite. I just value the time of being off camera because every Everyone, whether they want to admit it or not, is going to be a little guarded when the camera's in front of them. And, you know, that's just a time for them to be able to say whatever they can't say while the camera's uh, on us. Um, and then also, as it relates to the fantasy suite, they love to show that scene of, uh, you know, the couple maybe sitting on the bed or making out or something. And then the door shuts and it's kind of, you know, leave it to your imagination what's happening. And, yeah. and they wanted to do that with me. And I said, no. You know, we're not we're not going to we're not going to shoot that shot. Uh, I don't want people even insinuating this is what's happening in the fantasy suite. Which brings us to the topic that seemed to be an underlying theme of your season. And it wasn't anything. I don't think the show was the one that was responsible for it. It was mostly the tabloids, which was the born again virgin stuff. Like, yeah, that was what, a, what that a, was what t- a great nickname. The virgin bachelor. <laughs> Yeah, and I that was something that was obviously talked about a lot during your season, not by the girls and and you on the show, but because it was basically fabricated by the tabloids. Like this was this was the moniker that they gave you. That that had to have bothered you. Um it it did bother me, and and to my recollection, I don't think it began until I was done Filming. I don't think I had ever heard that that terrible nickname, the Virgin Bachelor, until after we had filmed, and 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 maybe it didn't even come about until the show started to air on TV. But yeah. uh, I, I think it bothered me because uh, not so much because I was waiting until marriage, because that doesn't bother me at all. I, I was quite proud of that fact. It was people were labeling me that and kind of making me out to be weird or, you know, I wanted a voice. I wanted to say, Hey, you know, I'm making this decision because this is what I believe. And these are my values. And I think it's going to be healthy for my future marriage. 
Um, but of course they don't want to hear that and that's not going to sell magazines. And so, you know, just the fact that it's the Virgin bachelor and that's all anybody wanted to talk about that did drive me a little crazy. And is it something to where like you said, this was just a choice that you had made. I mean, we, we, we just dealt with it. I know you weren't watching too much of Becca's season, but we just dealt with it with one of her guys that just this guy, Colton, that, um, his whole storyline became, you know, he was a virgin and he didn't tell many people in his life. He said his dad didn't even know, but yet he revealed it on the show in front. So six million people did know. So um, is this something that you were actively hoping that it got kind of swept away? Or I mean, obviously you were proud of it, like you said, but uh, is it something that you wish wasn't made a bigger deal out of? Um. Yeah, in in the context that it was, I absolutely wish that it was it wasn't a big deal. Um, only because I just felt like they were in it to label me as a, a a weirdo, or you could probably figure out a better adjective. But um, you know, during during filming of the show, it was it was never an issue. It was never discussed, and I don't even think I I thought about it being a topic of conversation on the show. It was just never brought up, not by the producers, not by myself or, or anyone else for that matter. Um, so it, it basically just came down to the tabloids. And then every, you know, they run you through the press gamut when you're done and you've got to do a million talk shows. And it gets annoying when you want to talk about your new fiance and how excited you are and, and the future that you guys are going to have and all of that. And all these talk show hosts want to talk about is, hey, you're the Virgin Bachelor. It, you know, it just got really old answering the same questions over and over and over again when I just wanted to talk about my my new fiance and our our our, uh, our relationship. Yeah. And, you know, let's let's start getting into your season a little bit. You had I've had three girls from your season on the podcast. I've had Desiree. I've had Leslie Murphy and I've had Ashley Frazier, actually four. Now they think about it, because KCB was on your season, which was short lived, but she was on it. Um one thing that always gets brought up is the fact that if it weren't for the spoiler, many people probably wouldn't have noticed Catherine. She was kind of hidden. Uh, she's your wife now, so I guess all in the end it doesn't matter. But where was Catherine on your radar, say, in those first four episodes that were filmed in L.A.? Um, you know, in the beginning, I can remember uh, her getting out of the limo, and I, she just had this bubbly personality. Um, and she was, it was almost magnetic. She just had this energy I wanted to be around. Now, with that being said, I wasn't feeling a romantic vibe because I didn't think she was really giving it off towards me. I didn't know if maybe she wasn't into me or, or what the situation was. Come to find out, she's just kind of awkward sometimes. Uh, so it was, it, it took a while to develop. I think uh, it was probably our last week in L.A., uh, we were having one of the cocktail parties at, at the mansion and, and she slipped me a note that um, I can't remember the verbiage exactly, but it was something like, I, I, I wish I could kiss you or I want to kiss you or something like that. And then I took her out to the front driveway where nobody could see us. Uh, and, and side note, I was always very conscious to make sure I did not kiss women in front of other women. And I, I think a lot of bachelors make that mistake these days. But anyway, yeah. uh, I think it was that night where I truly felt like, okay, there might be a future with her. And there's, there's, there was definitely something really special about her uh, that kind of set her apart from everybody else. I, she was just fun to be around. 
and there were a lot of great women on my season. Um, and, and there was just something about Catherine though, where it's like, I just want to be around her. I just want to have fun with her. It's not always about making out and being super romantic and talking about the future. I just, I want to have fun with her. And, and, and uh, like I said, it was, it was almost magnetic. I was just drawn to her. And Catherine didn't get her first one-on-one until episode six, when you guys were in Canada, which is the latest any winner has had their first one-on-one, if you didn't know the statistics behind that. I, I did not know that. <laughs> uh, yeah, nobody's ever had it later than six. I think there's other people that have had it in six since your season, but yeah, that was one of the latest at the time that a winner has ever had it. Was that done on purpose, or how did that work out with Catherine getting her date so late? No, I, I think the cat is probably out of the bag at this point. Um, I didn't pick which girls went on which dates. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure if I were adamant, I could have probably demanded that Catherine be on an earlier date or, uh, I, I could have changed it if I wanted to, but most times, uh, the producers would just say, Hey, you know, we're going to do a date. This is what we're going to do. And, and we think we should have, uh, you know, so-and-so on the date. And, uh, I would just go along with it. So that was just, I don't, I don't know if the producers had a motive behind it, um, or it just happened that way, but I think it worked out perfectly. I mean, we went on that, we did the glacier date and then a snowstorm rolled in and, and it just gave me a chance to see Catherine have fun and we're getting pelted in the face with snow. It's freezing. Yeah. She was, she wasn't worried about her makeup running down her face or anything like that. She was just, she was having fun and being in the moment and enjoying our time together. And, uh, I don't think I, probably could have said that about everybody on my season <laughs> there were probably a few women on there that would have been concerned about their makeup or the conditions not being just right and this and that but uh yeah it was a perfect date for Catherine because she really showed me uh she just she wanted to enjoy her time with me well, let's talk about a couple of these girls on your season um the biggest one that i think uh sticks out to a lot of people was tiara she was quite the character on your season you gave her the first impression rose along with many others again your season very now i doing this interview and talking about some of these things a, a, a season that was kind of an outlier in the fact that you gave out 11 first impression roses the first night tiara got hers first out of the limo and then when you went inside of the cocktail party gave away 10 more Obviously, when she got hers out of the limo, kind of put a target on her. And we all know by now, you don't, as The Bachelor, you don't see any of the stuff that's going on back with the women in the house or wherever you're traveling to, back at the at the hotel, like we do when it's airing, because everyone's like screaming at the TV, oh my God, Sean, how can you keep this girl around? Look at what she says, look at what she does. Uh, when did you know, or when were you made aware of that Tierra might be your season's quote-unquote villain <laughs> yeah that's that's funny and, and thinking back to giving her the first rose I, I could not have chosen a better person from a tv standpoint because <laughs> yeah. i i had no idea she was going to bring the drama that she brought and so putting that target on her back was probably just a producer's dream um and, and you're right you don't get to see the craziness that happens behind the scenes when it's just the women uh, in, in me being a dumb, naive man, I, I probably just didn't pick up on a lot of it, but, 
It really wasn't until she had her final meltdown when we were in St. Croix. I think that was at the point where it was the final six women, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, believe it. Yeah. Um, and I think at that point, maybe one of the other women, maybe Leslie had said something to me about, hey, you know, <laughs> I think you should pay attention because she doesn't get along with the other women. Um, but I, I got to tell you, in that environment, and, and be, I'm going to blame it on being a man. I was naive to a lot of the stuff going on in my in my simple mind. I was just thinking, ah, Tierra seems nice, and and I have a good time when I'm with her. And I paid no attention to everything else, and so I just kept giving her roses. And and the funny part was was when we were done filming, the show started to air, and Tierra is showing her villainous ways uh, to America. I couldn't go anywhere without people stopping me and asking or screaming, why would you keep Tierra? She's awful. And every time I felt like I had to defend myself, like I promise I did not see that side of her. I thought she was a sweet girl. Yeah. No, I mean, it happens every season. I mean, we, we and, you know, every season it happens and yet people, you know, still don't get the concept of, Hey, the lead doesn't see any of this. What you're seeing on TV, they're seeing for the first time now. And yeah, and you know what? In her defense, I'm sure being being in that bachelor bubble, it probably affects people in different ways. Maybe the worst side of her came out. I'm, I'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt because she was really nice when she was around me. So I'm not sure she was probably as bad as the show made her out to be. But maybe just being around a bunch of women and with the target on her back and everything else, it, it probably brought out the worst in her. Yeah, I mean, and she also had, you know, the falling down the stairs thing, the uh, the hypothermia in Canada, like when, for, for the lake jumping. It just seemed like drama followed her wherever she went. They put her on the two-on-one, which ultimately means if you're put on the two-on-one, that means one of you is usually a drama starter. And and you happen to keep her over Jackie on the two-on-one, which I'm sure infuriated people Yeah, even yeah, more. Abs- like, what is he doing? Absolutely. And, you know, me not really being an avid watcher of the show before I joined The Bachelorette and then The Bachelor, I I didn't really pick up on those things. I didn't know one of the people on the two-on-one would be the, the drama queen of the house. So yeah. hindsight, it's kind of easy to pick out when you look at this incident and that incident, and it all kind of adds up to, to her being the villain. But I just I was completely clueless. Another person I want to talk about is Desiree only because of the pranks that you guys played on each other. So on your first one-on-one with Desiree, you do the prank at a museum where she broke something and had to think it was her. So on her hometown date, she played the prank on you where her ex comes back in the door asking for her. Okay, so I have to ask you this. Did you put on a hell of an acting job or did you really believe that was her ex? I, I kid you not, I really fell for it. Now, I probably shouldn't have fell for it, <laughs> just given the fact that I played a prank on her. Maybe I should have been aware that something like that might be in the cards for me. Yeah. But I, I completely bought it. And I, I think after uh, they were filming, I was around the guy that played her boyfriend, and I gave him a lot of credit. I was like, man, you really sold that, because I, I thought you were a pissed-off ex-boyfriend. <laughs> Well, what about her brother, Nate? Obviously, he played a huge uh, role that day on the hometown date. I mean, you can't really say how much of a role it played, but I, I got to believe that the way he talked to you on that hometown had to have factored in your decision to let her go at four, 
right? Okay, here's here's the bizarre thing, and I'm gonna I'll try to be succinct uh, on this. Desiree had told me she said before we ever got to hometowns, she said my brother has this kind of spiritual gift where he can just pick up on things. Okay. I've, I've, I've heard of people maybe having such spiritual gifts. I've never witnessed it firsthand and I didn't know if I should believe it or not. Um, but I, I had that in the back of my head. Okay. That's interesting. That's an interesting thing to say. I think she told me that way back when we were in LA. Hmm. Well, Going into those final four, I can remember, and, and Desiree is a very, very sweet girl, and uh, I'm, I'm so glad that she met Chris and married Chris and has a great family. But I can remember thinking, oh, she's she might be the one leaving this week. Uh, I just didn't feel as strong of a connection. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I walk into the house to meet her family, and in the back of my head, I remember thinking um, – Desiree, I almost felt bad because I could tell Desiree's a lot more into me than I am into her. And her brother picked up on it. It it blew my mind. He put it into words. You know, I can tell that my sister's much. (laughs) So, um, you know, they they made him out to be like this this big bad guy, I guess. But uh, everything he said was pretty spot on. (laughs) <laughs> and so uh, I didn't I didn't send Desiree home because of her brother. I, I sent her home because her brother picked up on what was actually happening. <laughs> no, it makes sense. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I I've talked about it with a few of the leads that I've had on in past podcasts. I guess I should ask you as well. Probably should have asked this in the beginning. After the first night, most of the leads have said, I knew who my final four was after that cocktail party. Like I knew the first night. Did you? No, I, I didn't have a clue. Um, really, I went into it thinking, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to isolate each little relationship, if you if you can call it a relationship." And so, when I'm with Catherine, I'm only gonna think about Catherine, and and I'm not gonna compare her to other women. I just want to be in the moment and focus on her and what we have. And that was a pretty good strategy until you get to the end and you're like, oh, crap, I should, <laughs> you know, I, I've got a handful of women that are all great women for different reasons. But which direction am I going to go and, and where am I being led? And so it, it kind of got me in trouble at the end. But to answer your question, I, I really had no clue in the beginning because I was just trying to be in the moment with each woman. Interesting. OK, um, Brings us to the overnight dates with, so you have Ashley, Lindsay, and Catherine on the overnight dates. And at the Women Tell All, uh, you were confronted basically by Ashley about a conversation that took place over the overnight dates. Um, Her claim was that essentially you assured her she had nothing to worry about, everything will be fine, and then she ends up being the next to go. I asked Ashley about it when she was on the podcast so now I'll ask you, what was said and what do you remember of that conversation? Oh, I I can't remember what was said. It was five years ago. But yeah. I remember being so caught off guard when she said that. And I, if I'm not mistaken, she said something along the lines of uh, you said you didn't have anything with the other two women. Or she, she may have phrased it differently, but that was the gist of it. Um, and I just I was thinking, like, how in the world could I have possibly have said that? I mean, if they're in my final three, obviously there's something there. So I, I wouldn't have said there's nothing there. And so if I remember correctly, I think maybe I said something along the lines of it's all going to work out or don't worry. 
like I, a I ge- like a generic statement of yeah. It, it was very generic. You know, if she had worry or fear, it was one of those, hey, it's all going to work itself out or don't worry. Um, I do remember I didn't I wouldn't have said anything to her or anybody else that was, hey, you're going to get a rose. I, I was actually very respectful of the producers because they they asked me several times. Now, make sure you don't say anything when the cameras aren't around, you know, don't. Don't tell a woman she's going to get a rose. And I, I respected that because I know that they've got a job to do and they've got to make compelling TV. And so yeah. um, I never told any of the women, hey, you're, you're definitely going to make it to next week or, or anything like that. So uh, I guess <laughs> that was a long way of saying when she brought that up on TV, I remember being completely flabbergasted because I, I just don't remember saying anything like that. Yeah. Well, what at that point, Maybe you knew before. Did you know before going into overnight dates or after all three was over? Did it? Did you finally make your decision about who was going home next? Um, it was after the overnight dates, and and like I said, there were three women. They were all great uh, for different reasons, and uh, I just remember thinking, I I don't have fun with Ashley uh, like I want. I I knew going into it. I wanted to hopefully find someone that I could be best friends with. And part of being best friends with someone is just, you know, finding someone you want to be around and someone you have fun with that makes you feel good and happy and and things like that. And I just did not get that feeling. And, and, And I think it was probably driven home after the overnight dates when there were no cameras. There just wasn't that level of fun I wanted. And so it, that was, uh, if I recall correctly, that was a fairly easy decision for me to make. Oh, understandable. Okay, so we get to the final rose ceremony between Catherine and Lindsay. Now, I didn't read your book. Sorry. But, That's okay. But over the years, people have told me bits and pieces about it. Like, they'll say, oh, I remember, like, because I do a reader emails every week, and occasionally stuff will get brought up about um, things that former contestants wrote in their book. So pl- correct me if I'm wrong on this, but did you say in your book that – you asked permission from the producers to see Catherine the night before the final rose ceremony and they granted it to you. Yeah. I I had to beg permission from the executive producer and, and he doesn't have a lot of interaction with the bachelor or bachelorette. He's kind of a behind the scenes guy that he sees everything. He knows what's going on, but you just don't interact with him. And so I asked Cassie, who was my producer that was with me. I said, I, I just before I make a life changing decision, because I I didn't view proposing as just continuing to date. I, I knew if I propose, I want to get married. I only want to do this once in my life. And there were just unanswered questions that I had had uh, for Catherine. And so Cassie radios uh, the executive producer and he comes down and I had to beg him, like, please, just give me 10 minutes. I need to go talk to her. And so he made me swear up and down, hey, you're not going to give it away. You're not going to tell her you're going to propose. I understand you have these questions, so just try to ask them in a way that doesn't make her feel one way or another. And uh, after about 30 minutes of pleading, he, he allowed me to do that. And how long was that conversation with Catherine? And was there someone in there with you to make sure you didn't slip? No, no, it, it was about 10 minutes long. And there, he said, I'm giving you 10 minutes. He stood right outside of the door. Uh, I think a producer walked into Catherine's room to make sure she was presentable. 
she was completely caught off guard. She had just taken a shower and didn't have any makeup on. And she was, uh, as you can imagine, she was really curious why I was making a late night visit to her room and almost in like a panic fashion, because it was all hitting me. Like if I'm supposed to propose to this woman tomorrow, I need to know where she stands on a wide array of issues that are very important. And so I, I just went in there and I was like, listen, you know, here's what I believe. These are my political beliefs. And, you know, this is what I want out of a family. And, you know, I value faith more than anything else. And I need a, a wife that's going to support me in that. And, and, and just all of these things. And I, she was probably so caught off guard. She was just like, uh-huh, 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 thinking I'm a, a crazy person. Uh, but she basically gave me that assurance of, you know, if, if we are to spend the rest of our life together, I, I promise you, I'll, I'll support you in all those things. And so I just needed that peace of mind before making the biggest decision of my life. Well, you know, I said it at the time when I found out the spoiler and even when I watched the season that you and Catherine are very different at the time you were like, I don't, I didn't think that was much of, of a secret. Like this image of Sean Lowe was, you know, good Christian boy from the South. And from what we knew of Catherine, she was this free spirit, liberal vegan from the Pacific Northwest. Like it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't something that immediately you saw Sean and Catherine together and you're like, Oh yeah, those two, I get it. I didn't get it. I thought it was too opposite. Not saying that opposites can't attract, but I felt that you guys were too opposite. And now hearing that you you had that conversation with her, um, you know, when people were telling me you wrote about that in your book, I thought that was very interesting because was there a concern on your part that you guys were just too different to last long term? Um, I don't think it was so much that as it was thinking to myself, you know, Sean, you idiot, you've gone this far and you haven't discussed a number of very important topics with her. Like, what are you doing, man? You're, you're out here having fun throwing snowballs at each other, but <laughs> you might want to discuss some of these serious issues. Yeah. Uh, so it was really me just having this moment of panic thinking, I know I have fallen in love with this girl, but if we're going to be serious and talk about having a life together, these things need to be discussed and need to be brought out into the open. And uh, it, it, it was more so of that. And I was very aware that we were two very different people. She came from a family that looks nothing like mine, you know, raised by a single mom with three sisters in the Pacific Northwest, uh, you know, two very different upbringings. Uh, I, I was aware of that, but I knew that if if we could uh, find common ground on the, the most important things, uh, that that other stuff would work itself out. I know it's been said a million times, but is it still kind of crazy to think you are the only bachelor who married the final girl he chose in 22 seasons? Uh, no, I, <laughs> I, I say this all the time and, and, Excuse my cynicism. I think I, I, I think meeting someone in that environment makes it incredibly difficult to have a long lasting, successful relationship, much less marriage. Um, it, it's just very, very hard. And so I'm, I'm not surprised. And, and I know there are a lot of bachelorettes right now who are still engaged to to the men that they chose. And that's fantastic. But 
when people talk about the the low success rate, I always say, you know, to me, it's actually surprisingly high given how hard this all is. Yeah, I mean, we're you, you're one out of twenty two, and you know what? It's funny to think that if Ari does end up marrying Lauren, there'll be more marriages on the Bachelor franchise from the guy changing his mind and going to the number two girl than there will be with the guy who married the final girl he chose. That's kind of crazy to think about because Jason will have married Molly, and if Ari goes through, then that's two versus your one, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. <laughs> it, is, it is pretty crazy, and I think you know people don't realize. They see the love story unfold on The Bachelor, and, and then they ride off into the sunset, and it's happily ever after. But when you look at it realistically – and take me and Catherine, for example, it's, it's hard. Catherine had to make this enormous sacrifice of leaving her job, leaving her family and friends in Seattle, uh, moving to Dallas, uh, you know, creating this new life for herself. And, and on top of that, you know, you have to figure out, okay, how do you, how do you fight? Uh, you're not going to have any fights on bachelor. So how do you fight? How do you forgive each other? How do you make up um, there's a lot of learning that goes into it. And then when you're talking about two people that are living in different cities, one person has to make that huge sacrifice to move to the other person's city. And then it's, okay, how do you, how do you create a life for yourself that doesn't always involve your fiance? You know, Catherine had to go out and, and find new friends and, and get plugged into different things to make Dallas feel like her home. And, and that, that can be extremely challenging. So I, I get it. it. It makes sense to me. And Catherine sometimes gets mad at me because of my cynicism, but <laughs> I don't, I never, I, I got to admit, I never watched that proposal at the end and think, Oh yeah, they're definitely getting married. Cause I I'm a realist and I know the chances are, are very uh, unlikely of if it actually reaching marriage. Well, for sure. I mean, we're in the same boat in that I'm the biggest cynic when it comes to the show for those exact reasons. It's just, it's, this is the show's format is more or less, like I said, just choosing someone to continue to date at the end of the show. The and, and the engagement isn't the engagement isn't a real engagement. It's a TV engagement. The relationship starts, and I think every past couple has said that. Jason has said it, and Tristan and Ryan have said it. The relationship starts once filming ends. That's when the relationship starts. Yeah, yeah, and I I would probably argue that our engagement was real because I knew well, yeah, from that it was moment, fake. yeah, I didn't want to... I, I I knew we were going to spend the rest of our lives with each other. But to your point, the hard work immediately began after the camera stopped, yeah. and there was a lot we had to learn about each other, and there were a lot of speed bumps along the way. And I think I, I try to tell people this all the time. I mean, you can meet someone on The Bachelor, you can meet them on a vouch dating app. I'll plug yeah. that one. Now you you can meet them anywhere. I think it really comes down to finding someone that, that has common values that you want to be with. And then it's committing, just freaking commit to the relationship. No matter what, you're going to commit to the relationship and put your, your, uh, your relationship before everybody else and any job that you might have, you know, just, just commit. And, uh, in this bachelor world it's very hard to commit because all these things are thrown at you post-show uh dancing with the stars which i've i've been i've been pretty vocal about how hard that was on me and Catherine. but um you know if you can make it through these these obstacles and just commit to one another you can you can make it work if you really want to 
Well, that was the next thing I was going to get to. You talked about the stumbling blocks in your relationship. And the very first one right away was the fact that you jump into Dancing with the Stars of, I can't remember what season it was, but um, talk about how difficult that was and talk about and tell people about being on that show, being newly engaged, Catherine having to come out and stay in an apartment, I think over by the Grove, and while you rehearse 10 hours a day, and yet you're trying to build this relationship, like how, t- t- explain to everybody how hard that was on your relationship. Yeah. Well, well, first I had just got done filming the bachelor right around Thanksgiving. And yeah. uh, I believe it was late January. They asked me to come out to LA to, to start the dancing with the stars thing. And so I'm, I was you're kind of in this weird space where you, you almost still feel like you're in this bachelor bubble and you can kind of do whatever you want. And I, I hadn't learned, and it sounds funny to say this. I, I made a decision because I saw it as, Hey, this is dance with the stars. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm going to take it. Well, I shouldn't have viewed it that way. I should have viewed it as I now have a fiance. I need to worry about her feelings first before I make this big drastic decision just because I thought it was a cool once in a lifetime opportunity doesn't mean it's the right opportunity for me. So I make this decision without much, uh, consultation with, with Catherine. And I didn't appreciate just how hard it was for her to leave her life in Seattle to come to LA. Um, I was probably a bit naive here thinking I would only practice a couple hours a day when it turns out to be 10 or 12 hours a day. And so poor Catherine is in a new city by herself. And, and that was so hard for her. And the whole time I'm thinking, well, you know, this is only a short period of time. It's, it's not that big of a deal, but you know, she had just gotten engaged. She wants to start this happy life with her new fiance. And, and here I am basically neglecting her, which I I didn't realize that at the time, but hindsight's 2020. Um, so yeah, that was, that was not good for our relationship. Not, not how we should have started out our engagement. So I, I totally take the blame for that one because I put her in a, a very rough spot. Yeah, and it's, you know, since you, uh, Chris went on to do it, Nick went on to do it. Like, did they come to you and ask, hey, I know I just got engaged, but this is a great opportunity. I'm guessing you told them what you just told me, but they apparently didn't want to listen or they never asked. Uh, who, who is they in this situation? Chris and Nick. Oh, was Chris, oh. Was Chris before you or after? I forget. I'm totally drawing a blank. Uh, Chris was after me. Yeah. Okay. So did they I, come to you and say, hey, I got a chance to do Dancing with the Stars. I'm engaged to Whitney or Nick. I'm engaged to Vanessa. You know, what should I do? No, no. They, they didn't come to me or anything like that. I do remember okay. Whit, Whitney uh, reached out to Catherine and Catherine was a sounding board for her because Whitney was finding out the same thing that Catherine did, that it's incredibly difficult. And uh, when your new fiance is away all day, it's it's just it's very hard and challenging. I I remember conversations were had between those two, uh, but I I never spoke to to Chris or Nick about actually uh, doing the show itself. So they they never reached out to you. okay? but I'm I'm guessing if they did, you would have told them after the fact, after what you had just learned, like, hey, man, you need to put a little more thought into this. Uh, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, I, I still totally get it. It's it's cool. I mean, it's fun. You're. You're you're doing this show that's on ABC and a lot of people watch it and you get to mingle with celebrities in L.A. or you know, at least maybe see less celebrities. But 
nonetheless, if you're a normal guy, which most bachelors are just normal guys, it's it's a cool opportunity. I totally get it. And, and on top of that, yeah. you know, you're you're going to make more money dancing for a couple months than you probably would at your typical job for an entire year. Oh, so it's sure. it's really hard to say no to. Um, so I, I probably wouldn't have told them, Hey, just don't do it. But I, I might've said, listen, you've got to put your relationship before dancing with stars So make sure you're, you're carving out a lot of time for your fiance and, and maybe don't practice as much, something along those lines. What were your memories of dance with the stars, your favorite dance? <laughs> well, I, I think all of my dances were pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's see. My favorite dance. I had, uh, man, I think my first one was a foxtrot, and I got pretty good marks from the judges. Uh, at least they said encouraging things. They didn't They didn't uh, destroy me like they did most weeks. Yeah. So I, I was pretty happy with that. But I, it's, it's funny. I remember meeting the other contestants, and you had Allie Raisman, who's a gymnast, and Jacoby Jones, NFL player, and and you see them dance one time, and I just thought, I have no chance of winning this thing, like zero chance. Yeah. So I just I tried to hang in as long as I could and, and have a good time doing it. And, you know, I, I know I speak out against Dancing with the Stars quite a bit just because I, I want to see these relationships work if they can. Uh, but that, the show itself is great, and the people involved in that show are great. And I, I had a good time. It was just unfortunate that it put Catherine in such a, a difficult situation. Well, I think one thing that I'm of all the things that you've done on this in this franchise and post show, the fact that you got to dance with Cy, I think has to rank right up there as <laughs> one of the coolest things. Like that at the time, Cy was like the hottest thing going, and the fact that you guys got to do a group dance with him. I was like, wow, yeah. that's pretty cool. I'm jealous. It's, you got to dance with Cy. So, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And, and, and that goes back to my mentality of doing it in the first place and, and, and why I did The Bachelor. I just view it as this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I'll, I'll never be able to do something like this again. Why not do it? And, and so that was that was the amount of thought that I put into Dancing with the Stars. And and, and it is, it's pretty cool that I can look back and, and I can view some of these things on YouTube and, and one day I can tell my kids, you know, hey, this is what your dad did. And that, you know, that that part of it is pretty cool. Oh, for sure. Uh, I, I mean, that show makes I, I get why that show makes a hell of a lot of sense for people. I, I, I am very well aware. I think a lot of people are very well aware of the money uh, involved in that and just the fact that it's a fun show. It's not a dating show where there's stress or whatever. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there was stress every week trying to get your steps down and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe a, a, a harsh teacher like PETA, who's kind of a perfectionist, you know, wanting to get everything right or whatever. But the case, but the fact of the matter is it's a fun show. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a lot of fun and all the people are great to work with. And there was a, a soap star, Ingo Rademacher on my season of dancing with the stars. And I remember he told me, he said, opportunities like this it's free money yeah and and he's exactly right that's not work i mean real people work that's not work that's you're you're going out there making a fool of yourself dancing and and they pay you for it that's free money for sure and like i said that's why i think dancing with the stars is probably the most tempting of people for for people to do post show However, there were other shows that popped up in your past after this that <laughs> they haven't all been winners. <laughs> yeah, I gotta. I, 
you know, I got to ask you about these Uh, celebrity wife swap. How did that come about? Uh, I'm guessing that you regret doing that. Yes. Yes. I absolutely regret that one. Um, you know, that came about, I I forgot who reached out. Someone at the network reached out to us about doing the show and I called, uh, or texted, I forgot what it was. Uh, one of the execs that I know at ABC. And I said, Hey, listen, I don't know if you know, they approached us about this. Is it something I should do? And uh, he said, oh, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be great. Of course, I should have known. You know, it's an ABC show. This is an ABC exec. He may have the show's interest in front of mine. But um, that was kind of how it was sold to me, is that this is a fun show. It's not about drama. And and boy, was I wrong. The, the whole thing, start to finish, the whole thing was scripted. And I just naively went along with it, thinking, all right. You know, they keep telling me it's it's fun and, and some of this stuff's just going to be kind of cheeky and, you know, people are going to enjoy it. So I thought, OK, I'll, I'll play along. You, you know, I'm going to make Molly Mesnick iron my socks. I'll play along with that if it's funny. <laughs> well, the show, the show airs and it's not funny at all. People people are cursing me out for being this terrible husband. How could I keep Catherine chained inside our kitchen and. You know, of course, that's not at all how we live our life. But, uh, yeah, that was probably my first experience with reality TV kind of screwing you over. Yeah, because on your season, people were happy for your success with Catherine. Um, Dance with the Stars, like you said, more of a, it's, it's more of a fun show. It's dancing. It's free money, like you said. But that Celebrity Wife Swap, I remember watching it, that episode, and being like, whoa. He is going. <laughs> he's going to get so much crap for this. Like it's not it, even. It was. It was so bad. But you know what? That's that's one of the nice things about social media is that people have people get an inside look of our lives through Instagram these days. And so people, yes, they had strong reactions in the beginning, but they they were able to kind of decipher. Okay, this this isn't real. And I, I think I put it out there that this whole thing is scripted. But. Um, it passed as my mom would say this too shall pass. And that, that passed after a couple of weeks, people forgot about it. Yeah. Um, actually before that in between dance with the stars and celebrity wife swap was your televised wedding. Now there've been, I think five or six of these that have happened now. And I think the consensus among viewers that watch this show and watch the final couple get engaged at the end would be, who would pass up a televised paid for wedding? I mean, why, why would you be against it? But again, is it something where you had, when you had a sit down with them of, look, there are certain demands in terms of how I want my wedding. How much of that was controlled or were you guys able to have input into your own wedding and how much of it was told to you? Like, this is how it's going to go. Yeah. So this one was a no brainer. Um, they told us, Hey, we want to be respectful. This is a special day for you guys. We don't want to uh, make it feel like a TV show is being produced. And they did a wonderful job and they stuck to their word. Uh, We had a say in anything we wanted to say in, they gave us a great uh, wedding choreographer. And, and so we sat down with her and of course, Catherine wanted more input than I wanted, but we basically got to plan our dream wedding. I think they did give us location options. Um, originally they discussed doing it in Hawaii and then they changed it to Santa Barbara, which we were 
Hey, Santa Barbara's beautiful. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then they, they offered to fly in all of our family and friends. Uh, and so, you know, when you have a wedding that's comprised of 50% of the people are from Washington, 50% from Texas, that's a huge perk when you can fly everybody in for free and have this dream wedding. Sure. Uh, you know, the only demand I had was that I wanted my dad to perform the wedding. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a problem with that. And so, um, yeah, even if, if you were at the ceremony, I think most people could attest. I didn't even realize cameras were there. Like, it was really, really cool and well done. They were respectful. And I think that's one of the underappreciated things of going through the whole bachelor process is you become friends with the producers. And there's a lot of great people that work on that show. They knew uh, wedding, a wedding is important to everybody, but they knew the the specific things that were important to me and Catherine. And as our friends, they wanted to be respectful and and they absolutely were. So yeah, we, we pretty much got to plan our dream wedding and it, it didn't cost us a dime. So it was a no brainer. Well, it's good. I mean, it came across well on television. Obviously, Santa Barbara is is gorgeous, so you couldn't really go wrong there. And, you know, I you don't fault people for, for televising the wedding, and any wedding that they have done on this show have all been like, wow. I mean, they really roll out the red carpet, except for, I think, one. Uh, Catherine, I mean, uh, um, Evan and Carly's didn't – put it this way. Evan and Carly, I think, will admit that their wedding wasn't anything like – Yours and Catherine's, Jade and Tanner's, uh, Trista and Ryan, Jason and Molly, Ashley and JP's. It just wasn't. It would look like it was saved for like the last 30 minutes of an episode. It wasn't, they didn't get the full thing that you guys got, unfortunately, for whatever reason. But it just, it just didn't happen for them. Um, but after that, uh, this one I didn't see, but I have seen other seasons, and that was Celebrity Marriage Boot Camp. <laughs> so do yourself a favor and don't watch it. I, it's awful. I saw – I watched when Michelle, Money, and Cody were on it. I saw when uh, – who who other seasons? Uh, Tr- Trista and Ryan were on it. Yeah, I didn't see that. I, no, I did see theirs. I saw those two. I saw Michelle and Cody, and there's one other one that I saw, and then I pretty much could understand what the show was all about. Oh, Jaden Tanner's. I saw those. Whatever reason, when yours came on, I I didn't watch it. And I think Jaden Tanner's actually was after you guys, and yeah, it was. Well, cons- consider yourself yeah. lucky. So it was. What? It was how did you agree? Why did you agree to do that? Was that basically a cash grab as well? That that was absolutely a cash grab. I'm I'm not ashamed to say that. I they approached us. I of course had never seen the show. I don't watch that show. Um, and they had a dollar figure and. Uh, it, it was it was appealing, but I said no, I don't want to do that show. And they came back and they doubled that dog, dollar figure, and it was Ooh. it was hard to turn down. And so I do some real estate development here in Dallas, and so in my mind, I thought, okay, I can withstand two weeks of this show, and it will help propel me in this real estate development work that I'm doing here in Dallas. Catherine was on board with it. I called Trista and Ryan. Trista said she had a positive experience. She said, it's not too bad. You know, you're, you're filmed everywhere. Uh, so just be careful of what you say and things like that. But she said, it's not bad. You can make two weeks. I remember showing up on the first day and this was my first experience with like other cast members that I wasn't familiar with. They were, they were grabbing people from like love and hip hop. If that's the name of the show. And yeah. Just people that, 
we're like seasoned reality TV vets that know I've got to be as loud and as obnoxious as possible <laughs> so I can get the most TV time as possible. Yeah. Which that's that's so not me. I, I'm happy standing in the background. I don't need to be seen. And I, I remember that first day thinking, I have got to get out of here. <laughs> like what did what did I get us into? And and so we we had the conversation with those producers where I said, Listen, I'm sorry, but we're the only married. It's called marriage boot camp. We're the only married couple on here. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and they said, okay, well, you know, I don't know how we're going to work this out, but if you got to leave, we we can't keep you here. And then the the actual couple on that show that does the counseling, they were salt of the earth people. They're actually here in the the DFW Metroplex. Yeah. And they were the ones that convinced me. All right you guys please just stick it out two weeks. We, we uh, shared the common bond of faith with the, the counseling couple. And they said, listen, we think that you can kind of help us with some of these other couples and uh, you know, you can kind of pay it forward, so to speak and, and help some of these struggling couples. We agreed to it. Uh, I thought, okay, I can withstand two weeks, but I, I swear it was the longest two weeks of my life. I'm not sure I helped anybody. And I, I think the best moment of my life was when we wrapped filming of that TV show. I, I hated every second of it. What ended up being like your guys's issue or what? what uh, I mean, did you, you know, learn anything out of it? Did you and Catherine come to some sort of understanding, like how to argue better or how to resolve relation, uh, arguments better? Anything like that? They, they had some helpful tools of like conflict resolution and stuff like that. But here's the thing is <laughs> like Catherine and I would say, yeah, you know, sometimes we have a hard time communicating. And this couple next to us would be like, oh, yeah, well, he cheated on me with four different women. <laughs> like it, it was so apples and oranges. It didn't make sense. Yeah. I, I remember when I watched Tristan Ryan season, they were the couple that the other couples are like, why are they here? They don't have any problems or the problems that that we do. And it almost yeah. seemed like seems like every season that people from the bachelor franchise have gone on. It's that's what it's been. We, we got a lot of that, but uh, after we did that show, I swear, I just kind of have a a mental block. I I don't even think about it anymore. I'm so glad to be done with it. Yeah. Um, It's, it's always been a very bizarre show and it's, and in the seasons that I have seen, I, I feel like they do the same kind of workshops for each thing. Like, Oh, I don't know if you guys did it on your season. Tell me, did they do the one where um, Catherine was in a car accident? You got to go identify her at the morgue. That one? Did they do that bit yeah, with that, you guys? They did do that. Okay. That, <laughs> they do that every that, season. Like, <laughs> Listen, it's, it sounds kind of funny because they do it every season, but that really hit home. Like, oh, wow. that They had some impactful stuff on there. It was just the... It was really the surrounding cast members that made it an absolute circus. Yeah, I can imagine. You don't keep in touch with any of those people, do you? No, no. And another funny thing about that is we got a lot of flack for um, Celebrity Wife Swap. It's an ABC show. A lot of people watched it. I didn't get hardly any flack for doing that show because most people can't even find that channel on their TV. So that was kind of the, the silver lining is I don't, I don't think their viewership was very high. Yeah, no, makes sense. Um, next thing that popped up was after paradise where you and Michelle Collins got to co-host a whole season. And I was like, wait, and a lot of people came to me and were like, 
What happened to Chris Harrison? Why is is Sean being groomed to be the next to the Chris Harrison replacement? How did the After Paradise thing come about? What um, did you have a talk with Chris beforehand about? Like, hey, I don't want to step on any toes here, or sorry, you're not doing it, or they came to me. Why wasn't yeah, there a I, second season with you guys? Like, what happened with that? Um, I was unaware of of everything that was going on behind the scenes with with Chris and production. Um, I was kind of under the impression that it was just Chris had too much on his plate. Yeah. And I think a little bit later, and I hope I'm not speaking out of turn and, and I, I hope I have my facts right here, but I, I think it was probably more of a, a contract issue with Chris. Okay. Um, where maybe he just couldn't come to terms with the network and, and they've got him doing so much and, and the guy's fantastic at what he does. Everybody loves him. So he, he deserves a lot of money, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I signed on thinking, you know, Chris was cool with it and and he was, I, I texted Chris and I said, Hey, I, I just want you to know, I, I took this job because I was under the impression that it was just something that, uh, you, you couldn't do at the time or, you know, you didn't have time for, and, and he was of course very gracious and, and there was zero hard feelings there, but, um, yeah, I, I, the show reached out to me about doing it with Michelle and I thought, you know, this this will be fun. That's it, again, once in a lifetime. And that's kind of the common theme in my life is I thought, when else am I going to host a live TV show? And <laughs> yeah. so I thought I'll, I'll give this a try. And, and, and it was fun. We, we had a lot of fun filming the show and, um, apparently it wasn't too popular though, since we got canned our second season. <laughs> Wait, now I'm trying to remember which season did you do paradise two or three? I want to say we did two, but, don't quote me on that. Because then Chris would have come back for three because last season was four and they didn't have it. I think they did three seasons of After Para. You know, I don't even know. It's not yeah, game. we, we even... shot it in 2016, if that means anything. Okay, so 2016. So that would have been – actually, that would have been season three then because 2017, last summer, was season four, <clears throat> and this one is season five coming up. So There you go. All right. Um, and then the final show you did, I had no idea. You, I honestly forgot you did this one because – I never watched it. Um, was worst cooks in America? I, I what place? <laughs> what place did you finish? I don't even know. I don't even know you oh, did this. Oh, I did. I, I did that last summer, and I did consult Chris Souls because he had done the show, and I, I asked him, "Hey, is it is it worth doing?" He said, "Yes, it's a blast. You'll you'll have fun. There's no drama." And uh, that was one of the best experiences I've had. That that was fun, start to finish. It was. Um, we spent two weeks in New York filming it. I got to take Catherine and Samuel. Catherine had a blast just hanging out in New York City for two weeks while I was filming the show uh, during the day. And I think, if my memory serves me, I think there were eight contestants and I finished fourth. So right in the middle of the pack. Who won your season? Oh, oh, uh, Perez Hilton. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and it's yeah, just been... people that have no idea how to cook and – they teach you and you got to cook a dish and at the end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really silly show. You can have fun. They encourage you to have fun. Uh, Rachel Ray and chef Ann are, are the two people that lead it. I was on Rachel's team. Everybody uh, on that show was, was great to work with. All the other cast members were fun to be around. So um, that, that after having a couple of rough goes with marriage boot camp and celebrity wife swap, that was a, <laughs> a breath of fresh air. Now, uh, one thing we haven't talked about that you just brought up, it was going to be talked about in a little bit was your, um, 
you have another son. <laughs> you have Isaiah, who's three months now, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, about two and a half months right now. Oh, two and yeah, just a, a wee little baby. You Samuel, who's two, uh-huh. two. Um, obviously, this is huge, and it's always uh, a big deal when a bachelor couple not only gets married from this show because it happens very infrequently, but has children. Um, I, just tell us a little bit how fatherhood has been so far. Um, I'll, I'll use a, a bachelor cliche. It's been amazing. It's, yeah. uh, it's it, you know, it's, 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 um, it's really hard to describe. It's, it's awesome at the same time. It's extremely challenging. It can be very frustrating. Uh, but ultimately it's, it's always rewarding. It's, I always tell new dads that first six months is going to be the toughest because the first six months is all about the baby and mom. Uh, you know, the most babies are going to breastfeed. That's what they need. It's just about changing diapers, feeding, changing diapers, feeding, changing, and so on and so forth. And then right around, right around six months, they start to uh, develop little personalities and you can interact with them more and, and, and uh, the fun begins. And so, we're not quite there with Isaiah, but uh, uh, I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to help Catherine out as much as possible, since it's kind of her job to just take care of the baby. I try to take care of Samuel as much as possible, and that's been a lot of fun. Uh, just the bonding experiences we've had uh, since having Isaiah. As uh, I get to, you know, I'll, I'll do anything with Samuel. We can go out and have a good time. We go to the donut shop down the street, or I. He loves walking around uh, Cabela's, looking at the fish in the big fish tank at Cabela's. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's just fun to bond with my little boy, and and um, he's got such a great little personality on him. And so I'm I'm looking forward to uh, Isaiah getting just a little bit older, so that I can have these same experiences with him as well. So, are you still involved in real estate development, or is Vouch your the biggest project you're working on, or do you have a lot of irons in the fire right now? I've got a lot of irons in the fire. My, my main job is, is we've got our furniture line and I, I run that, uh, from A to Z and I've got a business partner there too. And then Catherine helps us with our design, but, uh, yeah, our, our furniture line home by Sean and Catherine Lowe is, is on Wayfair and that's demanding most of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and vouch vouch isn't demanding too much time. Uh, to be quite honest with you, because I'm, I'm just helping on the marketing side at this point. Uh, the developers are doing all the hard work. Yeah. And uh, yes, I'm to answer your question. I'm still doing development here in Dallas. Uh, we just sold a property. We have another property right now that's being leased out. So it's, it's kind of a quiet time for that right now too. But uh, yeah, that's, I'm a serial entrepreneur. So I, I usually have multiple irons in the fire. And is Catherine's stationary thing? That's still, going yeah right? yeah Kat, Catherine has loco that's going great and it's it's been really fun for me as her husband you know I, I i of course want the best for her and i'm always rooting for her but it's it's been fun to kind of see the success that she's had because she puts a ton of hard work into it and it's it's a one-man show uh, for the most part and she's doing everything uh from design to physically mailing the stationery out to her customers so uh, it, it's cool to see how that's grown over the years. Yeah. Well with, and with two, two kids under two, uh, and doing all that, that's, it's pretty yeah. impressive. It's not, yeah, it, it's, it's very, I, I couldn't do it. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, so I end all my podcasts with a final 10. These are 10 quicker questions. Some about the show, some about your life and just kind of go from there and answer those. And, 
and we'll wrap this thing up. All right. Question All number right. one is probably the most important question that I probably ever asked in this whole podcast. How okay. often do you and Catherine use the wedding gift that I got you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're putting me on the spot. I, I, I thank you for sending a wedding gift. I cannot remember what you sent us. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on that and say honestly, I forgot what I sent you to because <laughs> okay, so, that makes me feel a little bit better. But so thank honestly, because sure I was like, yeah, I was like, um, God, I sent them the gift. They I got your card, the, the thank you card, and now I don't remember because I've gotten every married couple from this show. I've always said <clears throat> if the final couple ends up getting married, I have no problem <clears throat> eating my words and uh, buying them a gift. And I know I got you guys something off your get off your uh, registry, <clears throat> and now I can't remember what it was. I, well, I, I bet it's something we use every day, and we are eternally grateful. Yeah. Thank okay. You. Gotcha. We'll we'll take that. Um, I want to say it had something to do with an iron. I think it was. You know. You know what's funny is I iron popped up in my head. I think it was an iron. I think it was. It was. It was like the whole set, like an iron and an ironing board. I think. Well, if, if yeah. that's the case, we actually do use that quite often. So thank you. Well, and speaking of that, I want to throw in a plug to your buddy Austin, who gave me a heads up to the iron in a bottle, which uh, this iron in a bottle product where it's just a spray that you spray on your clothes to get out the wrinkles where you don't have to iron anything. I'm I'm someone that likes when I do travel. I'm one of the few guys probably out there that actually likes taking out the ironing board and filling the iron up with water and steaming my clothes when I'm on the road because when I take them out of my suitcase, they're wrinkled. Well, your buddy Austin introduced me to this iron in a bottle, which is just spray. You spray it on your clothes, you hang it up, you stretch out your shirt, and within 30 seconds, the wrinkles are gone. Um, yeah. Go out and yeah, get he, iron in a bottle. This stuff's great. I love it. That, that's a good plug. He, he's another serial entrepreneur, and he thought, you know what? There's not an all-natural de-wrinkler out there. So he hired a chemist, and they figured out a formula, and and the stuff works great. And it's, it's pretty awesome. So, yeah, check it out. Yeah, iron in a bottle for anybody that's interested. I got mine and using it already, and it certainly works in getting out wrinkles without ever, ever, ever having to take out an iron or an ironing board. Uh, something that Sean and Catherine have, thanks to me. Um, question number two, since Catherine isn't here, you're going to have to answer for her. What's the one thing I know you said earlier in the podcast, there's probably a lot, but what's the one thing she would say that you do that drives her up a wall? Oh gosh. I probably, uh, berate her with just terrible jokes constantly. (laughs) I think, I think it's too much for her. (laughs) She, I mean, I, I've got my dad's sense of humor. We'll try to make a joke out of anything. They're they're mostly puns, and she rarely laughs, and it's usually just an eye roll. But, yeah, she has to put up with my terrible jokes, and I'm sure if she had it her way, I would just stop altogether. <laughs> okay, vice versa. One thing she does that kind She's, of gets you. She will uh, – she'll try on 10 different outfits if, if we're about to go somewhere. And instead of hanging them back up, they all end up on our closet floor, and it drives me insane. <laughs> all right. Question number three. Are you guys more of a Thomas the Train family or Baby Einstein or neither? Uh, right now, neither. We are a, a puppy dog pals family. Oh, pu- the, was that 
Paw, no, that's not Paw Patrol, right? Is that no? It's, it's not Paw Patrol, but it, it's similar. It revolves around dogs, but Samuel loves it, and we don't mind watching it. So it's basically on twenty four hours a day at our house. Okay, so Thomas the Train hasn't been not not yet. yet. He hasn't okay. been introduced to the Low House. Okay. All right. Question number four: If current Sean Lowe could give twenty twelve Sean Lowe before he ever went on the show advice, what would he give him? Ooh, that, that's a good one. I would say uh, when the other women have an issue with one person in particular, you should probably listen to them. Uh, <laughs> that, that probably would have saved me some grief. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I would tell my, my younger self, make sure you talk about the important stuff so you don't have a freak out at the end. Uh, you know, I, I, I know it's not sexy for TV, but let's let's talk about what your political beliefs are and let's let's talk about your faith and, and other things your family uh and not just about how in love you are and how special everything is because you know you, you got to get to the real world sooner or later and it's probably better to get to it before you uh propose than after sure question number five now kind of goes along with what we just said but biggest regret within the franchise over something that was televised Obviously, what you talked about wasn't in terms of your con- your conversation with Catherine off camera, but anything that you regret that was that 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 did happen on TV that we all saw. Ooh, um, you know, for the most part, I think I handled a lot of things well. I I would probably have to go back to to Portier. I know we're probably throwing her under the bus, but um, I, I wish I had had um, listened to the other women. And, and got rid of her a little sooner. Okay. Question number six, going to go a little sportsy here. Who is at your all-time sports dinner table? You and four others. So, All right. Uh, let's go with Joe Montana. He was my childhood hero. I Living in Dallas, it was really hard to be a 49ers fan in the, in the 90s, but yeah. I was. Uh, so I would have him there. I think I would like to have... Um, I, I would like to sit down with Josh Hamilton. He was a, a former Rangers player. I just think he's an interesting character. I, I would like to get inside of his brain for a little bit. Um, Dirk, because everybody loves Dirk. It's hard not to like Dirk. Yeah. Um, and then my fourth all-time sports. Let's go with. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a huge UFC fan, so let's go with George St. Pierre. Oh really? You're a big UFC fan. Didn't know that. I I cannot get enough of it. I I watch everything. I I absolutely love it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh question number 7. This is keeping with the sports angle, but also more along the lines of your sons. You played football in college. You were on the team. Uh uh-huh. along with, you know, your brother-in-law. You guys played at K-State. With everything that has come out in recent years about head injuries and the NFL. I'm curious if this is now something that is brought into the conversation and if your boys were interested in playing football, uh, something you would maybe steer them away from, or is it something that you don't have a problem with them getting involved in? Yeah, that's, that's a tricky question. And that's something that we've discussed. I had uh, between high school and college, seven concussions. Wow. And, and once you have one, you're more susceptible to having more. And uh, it's uh, not to, 
uh, take a turn into the darkness, but it, it's kind of scary sometimes. I think I'm in the clear. I've had MRIs, and, and they can't tell everything based off an MRI, but a lot of these symptoms don't show up until you're, you're later in life. And so that is a, a constant fear in the back of my mind. You know, what if I have early onset Alzheimer's or, or anything like that? It's, it's scary. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. I, I hate to not answer your question. It may be we're going to have to cross that bridge when we come to it. I think you can alleviate a lot of head injuries by teaching proper tackling. Not all head injuries, but a, a lot of head injuries. I think because it's become uh, a topic of discussion and, and really it's entered the forefront in the last five or ten years, I think the game hopefully will continue to get safer. I, I know the technology and the helmets are, are safer. I mean, the helmets that were used just 10 or 12 years ago seem archaic to oh, yeah. today's standards. So, you know, I, I love the sport of football. It's a beautiful game, and it teaches young men so many valuable lessons. Uh, so I would love it if my boys did play football, but that's that's a serious uh, possible side effect. So, um I guess if I had to answer the question, I would say right now I would lean towards yes as as they get older. Um, but I don't think I would want them playing tackle football at seven or eight years old like I did. Yeah. All right, question number eight has eight little mini questions within it, and the answer is either Samuel or Isaiah. So okay. um, we're going to just – you have to put Samuel back at three months since Isaiah isn't Samuel's age. So you can put Samuel back at three months and answer – these questions from what you remember of Samuel being at three months and Isaiah currently right or close to three months. All right. Okay. Dirty or diaper? Ooh, uh, Samuel for sure. Heavier. Isaiah, Isaiah only seems to poop like once a week, uh, which oh, really? we've, <laughs> we've checked with the doctor. That's okay. I just remember Samuel having more dirty diapers. <laughs> um, heavier sleeper. Um, I got to give that to Isaiah knock on wood. We're doing pretty darn good at, at three months. He's, he's sleeping a good portion of the night. Nice. Who has more crying fits? <laughs> um, I don't know if it's because we're in the thick of it now, but I'm, I'm leaning towards Isaiah Yeah, okay. and that may be selective memory on my part. Who eats more? Isaiah. I, I he, this kid is chugging bottles. I think he's going to be my, my J.J. Watt of the family. <laughs> uh, who is the one who frustrates you and Catherine more at that age? <laughs> you know, I would say Samuel because he was our first and we really didn't know what we were in for. Yeah. There are times where your baby's crying and you've changed his diaper, you've fed him, you've made sure that he's warm, like all the things you're supposed to do and they still cry. And it will drive you absolutely insane. So when that first child does it, it's you're caught off guard. Uh, we were kind of prepared for Isaiah. So I, I would say Samuel uh, okay. for that one. Who makes, at three months, who makes more sounds? Uh, let's say probably Samuel. Isaiah's a pretty quiet little dude. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Samuel. Who's more of a TV watcher? Between the two, <laughs> three months, you basically just plop them in front of the TV. <laughs> but uh, you know, Isaiah is now watching all of the cartoons that his little brother wants to watch. So let's let's say Isaiah. Okay, and then who makes more of a mess with their toys? Well, 
yeah, that that would be Samuel. Now, keep in mind, at three months, no one's playing with toys. But oh, uh, see, Samuel I don't have kids. That's what every I, single day shows you what I know. I thought they played with toys at three months, or at least <laughs> they don't really have control of their limbs, so oh. it's really hard to do. Oh, okay. Um, all right. Question number nine. Now, this question is basically only for me, you, and probably select few in the Dallas Fort Worth area because. You and I, I know, are both huge fans of the ticket, a place that I used to work at, um, and I know we're a big fan of the Musers in the morning. Your favorite 840 character? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, Favorite 840, I mean, I would have to say what brings me the most laughs is when Wade Phillips joins Jerry Jones. Okay. No, that's a great one. I mean, there's so, I do there's love, so many. I do love Cody the contractor, though. <laughs> oh, really? He's, he, he really makes me laugh. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to go Wade and Jerry for the win. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I asked myself that question, and there are so many that I I think the Skinlonen brothers, like, I can't, I cannot not belly laugh every time they do the Skinlonen brothers. Um, I, it's uh, fantastic. <laughs> There's so many. I, I can't even uh, the the the, the uh, dial-up phone call from uh, in East Texas. Um, how am I blanking on his name? I, I think that's one of the funniest bits I've ever heard. Uh, um, gosh, what's his name? It's driving me nuts. I, I wish I could help you out. I, I don't know. With the, oh God, I'm, I feel like such a ticket loser right now, not remembering. Um, oh, anyway, all right. Question number 10. Now, <clears throat> this is called Explain Your Tweet, where I go through your Twitter account and I um, have you explain some of your Twitter, have you explain a, a, a tweet that you had. But you have so many tweets, it's kind of, it's impossible with you. But I got two, <laughs> I have two questions regarding your Twitter account. One came from a reader and one comes from myself. Number one, the reader wanted to know if it's actually you that controls your Twitter account and not some PR team or a for a comedy writer, because <laughs> yeah. you're really good. Your tweets are well, funny. Well, thank you. I, I wish I were important enough to have someone write my tweets. I'm not. <laughs> uh, that's It's just a little dose of what Catherine has to deal with constantly. I, I just wanted another outlet because I was getting shut down in my own home. So, yeah, I, I started – I think I started the whole dad tweet thing right around the time we had Samuel. Yeah. And uh, it's just – it's kind of become fun for me to do. And just periodically throughout the day, I'll think of a little funny joke, and I tweet it. And I had no idea if people would, would like it. And uh, I've, I've grown my Twitter following, which I guess means people like it. And it's, you know, stupid, corny jokes that sometimes make people laugh. Most of the time, they don't. But it's 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 my thing now, I guess. Yeah. No. Oh, by the way, Ed Carter. Ed Carter's sports hotline. Ed Carter, there <laughs> you go. Yeah, I, I do like Ed Carter. How I forgot about that, I have no idea. Um and then the second part of the tweet thing was, yeah, it seems like, and I, I don't know how to put a percentage on this because it'd be impossible unless I added up all your tweets and divided and did the multiplication and all that, but it seems like 75% of your tweets are jokes that Catherine didn't laugh at. Um, <laughs> I've noticed. I'm like, it's, it's you saying, yeah, Catherine, didn't, she didn't seem to crack a smile at that one or whatever. What are some of the things that Catherine, that you do that Catherine does laugh at? You know what's so funny about that is I sometimes I think this is a great joke. She's going to die laughing. And she rolls her eyes. 
and then I'll have the most benign joke in my mind that makes her laugh. So I, I can't figure her out. I've been married to her for four and a half years now. I, I can't figure it out. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's sporadic, but I'll tell you what, when she does laugh, it just fuels me like, okay, I need to chase this feeling of her laughing at my joke. So it may take another million bad jokes, but I got to get that sensation back because it's incredible. <laughs> and I'm sure Samuel laughs at everything you do. So, I mean, there's... <laughs> yeah. he, he's, he's a much easier audience. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, that completes the final 10. Uh, Sean, it, 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 was, it took long enough, but I'm glad we finally got you on to do this. I, I appreciate you being so open and honest and giving me two hours of your time today. Uh, I, I can't thank you enough. I know the listeners are going to love this. They've been basically dying since yesterday when I tweeted out that you were going to be on the podcast. So um, thanks again, man, for doing this. I, I really appreciate it. And knowing you are in the Dallas area, one of these times we're definitely going to, we'll definitely catch up at some point. Yeah, man. Well, well, thanks for inviting me. I, I had a, a blast doing it and uh, I hope everyone enjoys it. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think they will. Thanks a lot, man, for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch. All right. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Well, there he was, Sean Lowe, for two hours. I hope you all liked that one. Real quickly, this podcast is brought to you by Pier 1. Four walls and an address don't make a home. You do. Pier 1 wants you to fill your home with items that say, this is me. With Pier 1 picks, everyday favorites like pillows are available for 50% off in addition to other great values. Ladies, even guys, I know you love decorating your place. And... Pier 1's got a lot to choose from. I'm sure you've been there. You've seen the store. It's got a lot to choose from, and I suggest that you check it out because the amount of sales that are going on and the fact that you can get deck pillows for 50% off, I'd say worth the deal. So visit pier1.com. That's P-I-E-R, the number one, dot com. Now for exclusive offers or visit your local Pier 1 for exclusive savings. Thanks again to Sean for doing that because, yeah, it's uh, it's... It's, it's a pretty cool venture that he's doing with Vouch. I've downloaded it. I have put a profile on there, but I haven't really done anything with it. I haven't set up my vouchers. But I wanted to see it for myself uh, to, to check it out. And it looks like a, a really different way to go about the dating app world. And I haven't been on a dating website or used a dating app in probably 10 years. So anyway, uh, Sean was great. I, I really hope you got a lot out of that. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, there was no way I was going to get to every single thing that I'm sure you wanted to know about him. Sean is a guy that's been doing interviews for five years. He's very well polished. He knows what to say. I didn't want to beat him down with the same questions he's gotten over and over again. And I'm sure there was plenty of stuff that we did talk about that he's already talked about probably numerous times before. But, you know, there are some of you that maybe aren't as familiar with Sean. So you're learning for the first time. But if you're a fan of Sean and read all the stuff that he does and yeah, I'm sure a lot of this sounded a little bit familiar to you, but I couldn't get to everything. I wasn't going to beat him down about, well, what about your relationship with Ari? Like, Ari's just yesterday's news. I don't I don't care. I don't think it's important uh, of what his friendship is with Ari and did he talk to Ari before Ari did the season. Like, I just, I had a whole list of things in front of me as we're doing the interview and I'm checking the time. And half the time I had to go, oh, God, I just, on the fly, I'm like, oh, I got to cut that. I, I just... I tried to go with just how the interview was going. Every time he would give an answer, sometimes it would spark something in my head to ask him a follow to that. It just, 
it was so much. I, I was like over prepared for this, and I maybe got to fifty to sixty percent of the stuff that I had written down. So, anyway, I thought he was really good. I, I appreciate his honesty and being as candid as he was. I think the the, the funniest story was what he told about uh, in Curacao when he got eliminated at number three, and they told him, "Hey, we don't want you to go home just yet." <laughs> We don't want Reality Steve to be tipped off. Why don't you kick it here in the carousel for another week and stick around? And I, I do think, now that after he told that story, I do think that was the first time they started doing that, where the final three person was kept in the overnight date location because if they come back to the States and filming is still going on for another week, there's a good chance that that person will be seen by friends, by family, and it could get back to me, whatever the case may be. So... um. But it was interesting to hear that from Sean. Anyway, thank you all again for tuning in. I hope you liked it. And, uh, again, thanks to Sean and sorry for keeping him away from Samuel and Isaiah for two hours. Although that might have been a little bit of a reprieve for him. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple Podcasts. It's much appreciated. Also, Nell Coulter's Floribama Shore recaps are every Tuesday on the website. And then starting next Thursday... Because the premiere of Are You The One? Season 7 is next Wednesday. So her her recap will be up every Thursday morning. And if you want to be a part of the He Said, She Said podcast with myself and Ashley Spivey, just fire me an email, a DM, send the same to Ashley. It'll get transferred over to me. And uh, we'll set up a time. You just have to have Skype uh, and set up a time. Tell us what time's on your end, and we'll get it arranged and possibly get you on the next uh he said she said show uh episode three was released this past tuesday check that out on my reality steve podcast feed episode four probably coming in two weeks which would be august 21st so thank you all again for listening i hope you really enjoyed sean i enjoyed it i i'm glad he gave us that much time and i think he gave us a lot of good stories uh for this podcast some of the stuff that i hadn't even heard yet so Thanks again to him. And thank you all for listening. We will talk to you next week. Episode 91. We're almost to 100. Who's going to be guest number 100 on the podcast? I have no idea. I have. I think I know who the rest of August is going to be lined up for guests. But, you know, I don't like to jinx things. But as for 100, which would be looking looks like um, 100 will be right around the beginning of October. Yeah, I have no idea yet. So... Uh, maybe it'll be a repeat person from the podcast. Maybe it won't. I don't know. But uh, thank you all for tuning in. You've made it possible to be going this long. We're going to continue doing this as long as I can. So thank you again. That was podcast number 90. I'm Reality Steve, and we'll talk to you next week. See you. See you.